Welcome to the Open House Podcast. Conversations exploring life, faith and hope with Stephen O'Doherty. A small smattering of rain in recent days, but it's going to do little to resolve the widespread drought conditions in Australia. But a study published... Uh, in the last couple of days, sounds a further alarm for agriculture. Research from the Australian National University from the Crawford School warns of a global water tragedy if governments around the world don't revise policies that aim for more efficient irrigation of crops. Now, on the surface, you'd say the efficient irrigation of crops is a good thing, and of course it is, except one of the outcomes of that is that as more water gets transferred to the base of the crop, rather than spread across an entire area as in the old form of irrigation. So when you use drip-feed irrigation rather than broadside, broad-spread irrigation, perversely perhaps, less water goes back into the environment than the old way. And why is that a problem? Well, when less water replenishes the waterways and the aquifer underneath, ultimately there's less water for everybody to go around, including the irrigators themselves. That's what Professor Quentin Grafton of the ANU's Crawford School of Public Policy calls the irrigation paradox. He's lead author on this paper that's just been published. And uh, we began by discussing the state of war that exists, where we've actually set up a condition where farmers have to purchase their water rights. Little wonder, then, that they're reluctant to give any of that back And when they get more efficient uh, uses of water, of course, they use it to grow more crops. Is this state of policy war, I ask Professor Grafton, the only way we can regulate water? When people hear efficiency and the efficiency is going up, the natural tendency is, well, that's a good thing, isn't it? You know, we're getting more for the same or, or input. So, but actually... I'll contrast it to energy efficiency. So in energy efficiency, uh, you increase the you know, washing machine, the oven, or whatever it is, you increase the energy efficiency. That means less we- heat is wasted or dissipated mm. into the atmosphere. So there's no loss to anyone else and just a gain for you, I suppose. That's not the case in irrigation efficiency. And, and the reason for that is because the water that gets lost, so to speak, as you increase efficiency, actually is water that can be used and is being used frequently downstream and used for flora, fauna and repairing environments. So, so that's the key thing. So, so when an, uh, a farmer or an irrigator increases his or her irrigation efficiency, they're increasing their water consumption for their crops. And simultaneously with that, most of the time, they will reduce what we call return flows, the flows that go back to streams, to aquifers, and that have value and are used by others. So, so that's, the, that's the, the paradox. That's the dilemma. How do you get... Uh, irrigators to uh, grow more crops and fire food and fiber, but at the same time not reduce the amount of water that's available for other uses. And that's, that's essentially what the paradox is about. Well, is that because uh, when, when and if uh, farmers increase their efficiency, they'll use it elsewhere on the farm, they'll expand their crop production, and at the same time the government that regulates how much water they take out with their water licence is not dialling back water licences as efficiency increases. And that's exactly the right. That's exactly the case. So uh, in Australia, in the Murray-Darling Basin, for example, all entitlements are uh, denominated in gross terms. So in other words, you get a diversion of so many uh, million litres, and that's what you get. Yeah, that's the right that you have. It should be monitored and metered, of course. But you, there's, no, there's no measurement and no regulation, no concern about the actual flows back into the system. 
And so that's exactly right. The farmer views any flows off his or her farm going back to aquifers, groundwater, to surface or stream flows as a, as a loss. And, and it mm. is a loss to the farmer. Mm. But of course, it's not a loss to us, to the people, to society and to the environment. And, and that's the critical thing. So how do you get policies in play that actually uh, help farmers but, but don't actually send our rivers backwards? And, and that's really what the paradox of irrigation efficiency is about. And we have five steps about how to do that. And they're easy, well, easy, easy, easy solutions in the context. They don't require a lot of money. Maybe not so easy in the sense that once you start to change policy, there's all sorts of people who want to get in the way of, of any change. So, well, I'll ask but, you about the five steps in a moment. But before I do, just we've set water up, particularly through our policy settings in this country and like others, to be a contest between the needs of the farmers and therefore the the greater good in producing uh, crops and uh, and you know creating calories basically for us to live off a contest between that and the environment and it, it's seen as a contest and then we've we've monetized it so you got to buy your water license no wonder they don't want to return flow to the to the uh, to the streams um, is this state of constant war the only way we could regulate no not at all and, and indeed uh, prime minister john howard in 2007 you know, set out a plan of what you know, is now called water recovery. And in that plan, in fact, it's, it has happened. There's been voluntary uh, sale of water entitlements by irrigators to the Australian government. Mm. Now, that is a way that you can get voluntarily irrigators to, to reduce their diversions and at the same time get water for the environment. And that's a, that was the plan. But uh, sadly, at the same time as they made that announcement about voluntary purchases of water entitlements, there was also in there a plan for increases in water use efficiency, or what we call irrigation efficiency, or what the world basically calls irrigation efficiency. And that's the nub of the issue, really, for the Murray-Darling Basin, because billions, and I'm talking uh, at so far about four billion, that's not a million, that's a billion dollars, mm. you know, that, that works out about $400 per household in, in, in Australia. Oh. Um, so that, that, that sort of money has been spent to increase on and off farm irrigation efficiency. Now, uh, the whole purpose of this, and that was the announcement that John Howard made in January 2007, and ongoing announcements by ministers, etc., of the Australian government, the whole point of that was to increase stream flows to get an environmental mm. sustainable level of take. So, so the purpose wasn't just to provide benefits to irrigators. Of course, there are benefits for irrigators. The purpose really was to get a, get a, get a better and a sustainable outcomes in the basin for irrigators, but for society as a whole. So, you know, for first peoples, for, 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 for the fish, for, for, you know, everyone who has a living around what goes on in the Murray-Darling Basin. So that was the plan. But the reality has been very, very different because of what we outline in this paper, the paradox of irrigation efficiency. So what I mean by that is when you spend money, subsidies and billions of dollars to increase irrigation efficiency, what you're actually doing is reducing return flows. Those, that actual water that goes onto an irrigated field and then can flow off in terms of surface runoff or go back into the groundwater in terms of uh, uh, recharge to the soil. Yeah. Now, that, that, that water <laughs> is valuable <laughs> and we've been reducing it with this water use efficiency and our estimates in terms of what we've done uh, John Williams and I in a separate paper estimates is that we've instead of getting more water for the environment we've actually sent it 
the other direction. We've actually got less water for the environment because of water use efficiency. And our paper, the science paper, actually shows that this is a global phenomenon. It's not mm. just unique to Australia. Mm. It's happening in India, Morocco, Spain, United States. So, so it's, a, it's a major problem. It's, an, in fact, an unfolding global water tragedy. But there are ways to fix it. Now, our guest is uh, from the ANU, from the Crawford School of Public Policy, Professor Quentin Grafton, lead researcher, lead author of this paper in Science, uh, the journal. So let's let's go to some of those ways to uh, to solve the problem. What, what what's on your list of five? Well, uh, first and foremost, you've got to know what you're doing. So you have to know where the water's going, who's getting it, and when and where they're getting it. You can't drive, you can't run, you can't manage and govern a water basin that's more than a million kilometres square. Uh, uh, if you don't know what's happening to the water. And, the and we don't know what, because people are stealing it, because we're not metering well, it? Well, there's a whole set of issues, Stephen. So, mm. yes, there is theft. I mean, there's alleged theft, and apparently there's been some people who've been charged uh, in, uh, in, in, the, in the northern part of the basin. But, but uh, it's much bigger than that. So if those alleged thefts are maybe of 10, order of 10, 10 billion uh, litres, which is a, a lot of water from, from, from your listeners' perspective, mm. but, but it's, it's, it's tiny compared to the, 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 the estimated losses of, from uh, reductions in return flows because of subsidies for irrigation efficiency, which could be upwards of 700 billion uh, litres. <laughs> so, so it's orders of magnitude greater. So yes, it's a theft issue, but it's also as you increase this irrigation efficiency, as you go to, let's say, drip irrigation, what happens is that you're reducing these return flows. Those are flows that were, people were using, you know, it's water that was valuable hmm. that people have been using and the, and the streams have needed it and, and the aquifers needed it. And so, so the point is those have declined as we've undertaken the subsidies, the exact opposite of what the intent was. Yes, so, just on so the numbers you've got in the paper this is a helpful illustration with mm. surface irrigation while you're losing a lot through evaporation maybe up to 25 percent you're getting a, up to 50 percent of surface runoff Correct. so it goes back into the streams eventually it gets into the uh, yeah. aquifer the subsurface aquifer drip irrigation you say well surely that's very efficient well yeah but 10 percent only runs off and therefore you're not recharging the aquifer that's exactly right. That's exactly right. So there's a there's a private benefit for the irrigator. There's no question about that. But there's a public loss, and that's that's essentially what we as economists call external costs. We've got to account for it, and so you you can't account for it without actually know what's happening to the water. <laughs> and we don't know what's happening to the water here in the Murray Darling Basin. The best information I've been able to get from the Australian government is a consultant's report from 2010. <laughs> 2010 and only for two years yeah. <laughs> and only for the southern part of the basin and for less than half of the irrigation infrastructure and even then only for the the, uh, the surface uh, surface drainage so it's it's uh, it's it's unacceptable for to, to spend billions of taxpayers dollars without actually knowing what's happening to the water and what gains or losses in this case are we getting from from increasing water use efficiency or well, irrigation efficiency right so we've talked about um, gathering information gathering data about how Water is being used where it's flowing. But um, as an economist, are you proposing an economic measure to provide incentives? Because without incentives, the farmers are not going to give up their water. And indeed, you know, we, we do need to create crops for us to grow, for oh, us to absolutely. eat. Absolutely. No, it's not the, the irrigators aren't to blame in, this, in, the, in the context that, you know, there's a government has come about that made a, a subsidy plan and they've, you know, they're, they're, they're putting their hands out for the subsidy. So, so the point is about it is we as, we as voters, we as taxpayers need to make sure that it's not 
not just benefiting a few thousand irrigators, that it, that it also generates the benefits that Prime Minister Howard outlined in 2007. That, that, I mean, that's as, it's as simple as that. Why would you spend billions of dollars without getting for, for public benefit unless you actually sh- sure you get the public benefit? So it's not about being, it's not anti-irrigation, it's not anti-farmer. It's just the question of, well, uh, the whole point of this exercise, as you may recall, your listeners in the millennium drought, I mean, the, the, the basin was in an appalling state and, and irrigators in their communities were suffering. And so there was a widespread support, including by irrigators, to actually do something about it and have sustainable levels of extractions. That's what Howard was talking about in, in 2007. You know, fast forward now to 2018. Well, what's happened? We've actually spent the, the money that, uh, uh, that John Howard uh, had, had promised, but that money hasn't actually helped the basin. It's actually sent it backwards. Now, now yes, that's bad for fish and frogs, and, and, and they ended the system, the Murray Mouth and the Lower Darlings in an appalling state. But it's not just about the other people. It's not irrigators and us. It's, I mean, who do you think is going to suffer the most when we don't actually control the water in a proper way and a sustainable way? Well, of course, it's going to be the irrigators. The irrigators use most of the water, the fresh water, in the Murray-Darling Basin. So, so ultimately, they will reap the harvest of actually inaction and, and inappropriate action. So is, is one of your answers then to provide incentives, <clears throat> pardon me, greater incentives for more water to go back into the system? Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. Arguing? So you can, you can provide incentives in terms of, first of all, you've got to measure what the return flows are, and then, then you can make a, a provide incentives in the context of more return flows, then you get some, some benefit from it, some credit or something. So there's some ways you can do that. And keeping in mind that you know, it's, not like, uh, it's not like taxpayers have haven't been generous here. You know, $13 billion have been allocated to try and fix the Murray-Darling Basin in terms of its sustainability. So it's not like irrigators have been asked to do this on their own. I've already highlighted they've received $4 billion already. And of course, there's been these voluntary sale of water entitlements, which have been a couple of billion dollars. So, so there's been a lot of money spent. The problem is that money hasn't been spent wisely we have to make sure when they get the payment that we, we, society, the taxpayers, actually get the public benefit. What we're getting at the moment is the opposite. The taxpayers are providing a private benefit to irrigators, and there is no public benefit. In fact, it's worse than that. Under some scenarios, it could actually be that we made it worse, not better in the context of irrigation efficiency. So yeah. that's, that does a, that's a crazy system. How could it possibly happen? I mean, well, <laughs> I could... I could talk a long time about that, but uh, we have a Royal Commission going on on the Murray-Darling front in South mm. Australia. Mm. Lots of testimony there to explain what happened and, and who made these decisions and why those decisions were made under sworn testimony, sworn oath. So, I mean, there's a lot of detail there, but the bottom line is is that uh, we haven't done the right thing. I mean, the Australian government hasn't done the right thing by the Australian public. And it's not like they weren't told. <laughs> I mean, people were telling them. That, I was saying this in 2007. It's, it's, so it's, it's, it's a long, long unfolding story here, and, and so uh, we need to get it right now. We can't afford to wait five or ten more years. We've got to get it right now. Well, finally, I can't resist asking you this question uh, that relates to the current shenanigans, you know, the week, the week in Canberra, really, um, because we see that what's driving the agenda there, what, has, what, what drove the split in the Liberal Party, if you like, one of the questions is, climate change, the way we regard science itself, 
Uh, and in particular, I heard one right-wing commentator during the week saying, a well-known radio commentator, saying that environmental flow, something like environmental flow was the ugliest phrase in the English language or something along those lines. When you have that level of lack of understanding, um, it surely is very hard to combat it. Well, you know, ignorance is always hard to combat. I mean, that's what I've been trying to do in the context yes. of this paper to yes. actually explain what the paradox of irrigation efficiency is. But but more importantly, I would say not just ignorance. I think there's uh, the willingness or uh, to divert one's eyes uh, to to overlook and and pretend things don't exist. So so I would say to whoever that was and the ugliest words in the English language is to say to that person, well, if if you represent or claim to represent or or speak for a particular groups, um, you're actually doing them a disservice. It's certainly doing the irrigators a disservice. I mean, we are in the uh, at the start right now of of, a, of an unfolding tragedy globally and in the Murray-Darling Basin. We can see it already. Hmm. And irrigators need us to do, as in all Australians, to work together to solve this. It's not putting it all the backs on the irrigators, but the irrigators have to be part of the solution. And the money that's going to be spent has to deliver public benefits. And, and, and environmental flows are not just critically important for fish and frogs. They, need, they are absolutely needed to take salt salt in the basin out to sea. If we don't have flows, which we don't have in the lower Darling right now, then the salt accumulates. Okay? If we don't have environmental flows, then we expose acid uh, sulfate soils, which in, results in massive levels of acidity, which you know, destroys uh, the environment, but also, also terrible for, 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 for farmers. So, so, I mean, we're in it together. It's not them or us. All of us are in it together here to fix this problem. The sad thing is, is that we spend a lot of money and we've sent ourselves backwards, not forwards. Let's just poke fingers at each other. Let's actually get it together yes. and actually fix this. You hear hyperbole from some scientists, okay? I'm not giving you hyperbole. This is a, an already an existing water crisis. We don't fix this. We're going down the gurgler uh, in the context of uh, water crises. So um, we've got to do it. <laughs> or, or maybe not gurgler as the case yes. may be. <laughs> yes, the dry well, drain. Professor, thank you so much for your, for your uh, words of warning. It's, it's been great talking to you. Thank you. More than welcome. Thank you for the opportunity. Quentin Grafton, going down the dry drain together. Professor and chairholder of the UNESCO Chair in Water Economics and Transboundary Water Governance. He's a, a public policy fellow at ANU's School of Crawford School. And a very impressive list of credentials and background in this area of water, agriculture, productivity and the problems besetting us at the moment. For someone like him to be issuing that warning and then not hyperbole, as he says, uh, really ought to be taken into account. A perverse public policy outcome is what you call it when you spend a lot of money and achieve the opposite of what you are hoping for. Discover more Open House podcasts at openhousecommunity.com.au.